and welcome to our new podcast, In Conversation, with me, Sarah Williams. Each week, I'll be chatting to someone different from church and asking them about themselves and their story and finding out what their experience of God has been like. So if you have ever looked around church on Sunday morning and thought, I wonder how they became a Christian or I wonder how they came to be here at Southwest London Vineyard and all sorts of other things, then hopefully you should enjoy the next 20 minutes or so. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get stuck in. So today I'm talking to the lovely Camilla Bike. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you very much, lovely Sarah Williams. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me asking, but um, how did you become a Christian? Wow, that's a great first question. Uh, I grew up knowing about God because my mum always took us to church, a whole variety of churches. Uh, my parents were in the army, so I was born in Germany and I lived in uh, Northern Ireland and other places. And so wherever we went, we would find a church to go to. And I always went to Sunday school. But it wasn't until I was 18 that I had to really make a decision for myself. So I'd say between the years of sort of 15 and 18, I kind of walked away from my faith. It was still deep down somewhere, but I certainly wasn't going to church regularly and I wasn't praying regularly. So when I was 18, I just had to um, work out what life was all about for, for me and not because of something that I'd just been told by my parents. And it was it was quite dramatic, really, because... I'm quite a stubborn person and I found myself in church one morning with my mum and my younger sisters and the pastor there, and it was very, very, what they used to call low church. It was in a school building, and quite similar to, to where we are now at Vineyard. And, uh, and he said, there's someone here who's, who's really stubborn and God wants to uh, call them back. And the stubborn person in me <laughs> thought, well, that's not me. Um, and uh, I was absolutely horrified to find myself putting my hand in the air and so that that was sort of how it happened. God kind of singled me out and and showed me that He really did care, and He He had He had plans for me, which was amazing. And it took you completely by surprise. You mm. weren't expecting to encounter the Lord no. in that way. I don't know what I was even doing there. I think I was kind of just on my A levels and wasn't really sure what to do on a Sunday morning. And I, I really don't know what I was doing there. So I think it just showed me that you know. God makes things happen, doesn't he? Absolutely. And, and what happened in the aftermath of that event? Um, well, I just remember walking outside and realising that the trees had leaves. And that sounds really odd, but um, I wear glasses. And the first time I got my glasses, I realised that trees had leaves because I'm really quite short-sighted. And um, I hadn't realised before I had glasses. And it was that same feeling. It was like seeing the world in absolute technicolour with all of its detail. And that has never gone away. Mm. And how did you develop your faith from there? Did you go to um, the same church you were at? Did you go to a youth group? Did you go on to anything else? I never went to a youth group. I'd never really met another Christian my age. And I mean, as a teenager, I had obviously when I was a child, but I didn't really know any. I went to university and the week before I went, I got sent a letter by the Christian Union of the college I was going to saying, um, you know, we'd like to welcome you. And obviously sent that to everybody. And I was really shocked that there was a whole bunch of people who called themselves Christians and there was even a group of Christians at university. <laughs> so I got really plugged into that and became the kind of the rep, if you like, of my college in my second year. And that was a really amazing way to, to meet other people who had faith. We were all very, very different. We'd all grown up in very different types of churches, but that didn't matter. We, we had a shared faith and that really helped me through university. 
And uh, did they look exactly as you thought the Christian Union bunch might look at university or were you quite surprised? I had no preconceptions at all, but um, if any of them are listening, you're a lovely bunch. (laughs) Um, But we were all very different, let's put it that way. And then um, jumping forward, how did you come to be at Southwest London Vineyard? So Robert, my husband and I, um, we moved to London straight after university. So we were about 21 and we wanted to go to a church we could walk to. And we were living on Glapham Common North Side. So we, we walked in many different directions and visited many different churches. And they were all great, some more great than others. But they all wanted to serve us. They were all about, oh, what can we do for the young people? They still saw us as young people. But we were married and felt quite grown up and we wanted to start serving. We'd been served at student churches and, and we'd sort of wanted to break out of that and actually be useful. So it wasn't until we visited Vineyard, which uh, another um, connection of ours had, had recommended, that we realised that there was a job to be done and we were asked to join the setup team. So that was it for us. That's why we came to Southwest all those years ago. Absolutely. That setup team is a good starting point for anybody, I think, uh, who's looking to get involved in church. And did you become involved in a small group then as well? We did. So the same couple that had recommended the church, they ran a home group in Tooting. And they had, I think, four or five children at the time. I think they've now got six children. And it was this wonderful, very welcoming, chaotic house. And a whole bunch of people, all different ages and stages of life, would meet there every Wednesday night. And it was just amazing. It was like um, being invited literally into a family, a church family and a literal family. And that was a really incredible start for us in London. Mm. And uh, I don't want to guess exactly how many years ago that was, but it was a little while ago, wasn't it, It Camille? was about 25, 26 <laughs> years ago, I know. And you must have served on lots of different teams since then. What's been one of your favourite areas to help serve in at, at church? Well, when we were about 25, uh, someone said, would you think about starting up a group for the nine and ten-year-olds? Which was hilarious because obviously we didn't have our own children and... We didn't know much about nine and 10 year olds and we didn't really know what we were doing, but we thought it sounds like a really fun challenge. And we had a sort of little brainstorm with them to decide what to call it. And it was called Red Hot Dynamite, RHD. (laughs) And we just let them jump all over the tables and eat eat sweets (laughs) and do whatever they wanted. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, some of those young people are now godparents to my children and we've stayed in touch with them. And so I think for me, being given that freedom to, to minister to the kids at that stage in our lives when we were not very old ourselves was just amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. And a lot of fun as well, I'm guessing. It was a lot of fun, yes. Um, can you tell me about, I mean, that sounds like a really good time, but can you tell me about if you have any particular experiences where you felt really close to the Lord or anything in particular where you feel like actually you could pinpoint and say, he did that for me? Wow. Well, COVID was a really interesting time for all of us and being with my family was was very special it wasn't something that we'd done before all living together uh, having all of our meals together and I think I'm very grateful for that time I know it was an awful time for many people but for us it was a time of just consolidating who we are as a family and um, I'm so thankful that God gave us that time together before our eldest left to go to university Um, so I can't pinpoint one specific moment. There have been many, many moments in my life. But I think when you take time to reflect on what God has done in your life, that's really powerful. And so often we forget to do that. Yeah. And is there any particular place that you like to go to or anything you like to do when you're trying to 
be close to the Lord yourself. My bicycle. Anyone who knows me knows <laughs> my favourite possession is my bicycle. And so I sing on my bike a lot. And I love just going out for a long bike ride and worshipping God, you know, as I'm whizzing down the A3 or down a country lane or you know, wherever along the river. So did you get to do any of that with your family? I'm thinking I can imagine you like the Von Trapps, like all cycling <laughs> along together. No, sadly not. But Robert and I did a lot of <laughs> lockdown cycles and a lot of um, prayer cycling around London, which was really special. I and, bet. Um, I did end up uh, in the papers a couple of times um, with my with my prayer cycling, but let's not go there. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> And um, you obviously sound very passionate about cycling, but is there anything else that you feel particularly passionate about? Uh, I'm really into history and biographies. I want to know how people lived and learn from their experiences, good and bad. So, yeah, I think I'm passionate about the past and how that can influence the future. Mm. And do you think that uh, from this series we're doing on justice, is there anything in particular that's taken your fancy and you've felt reawakened in terms of your understanding or wanting to to do something more active about those things well we've talked a lot about the um the welcome that we should be um, extending to people who are different from us and particularly with refugees um that's the front of our consciousness at the moment we've um we've just welcomed a, a lady from ukraine to live with us and so i suppose that ability to see people as people and as a country to to kind of get our heads around that and I, I really want to be a citizen of a country which takes welcoming really seriously and mm. sees people with difference as not being different so different that we can't communicate with them so I think yeah that part of justice has really impacted me and also the series on women I think it's been amazing to hear different perspectives on the bible yeah absolutely what has that been like, that experience of welcoming somebody into your home in this way, Camilla? Well, we've done it for many, many years with people from other countries and um, either to um, to stay with us for, you know, six months or some people have come for a couple of years. So as a family, we're very used to welcoming people. But this has been different because we haven't got a common language. Um, we're having to use Google Translate. But what that's taught me is actually communication is far more than words. Mm. It's it's gestures, it's it's a look, it's a smile, it's a thank you. And that has been really powerful. So even though we don't have language in common, we're definitely making friends and it feels very comfortable. I actually was listening to a podcast the other day and they were asking for recommendations for films to watch with if you're hosting a re- Ukrainian. And they said Paddington is a really good one because they actually have the subtitles in... Ukrainian and uh, and they said and obviously it's got a lot of London in it so there you go well I'm a huge fan of Paddington I should be looking that up what an excellent idea thank you there you go um can you tell us a little bit about what you do for work Camilla I do exactly what you're doing right now Sarah um (laughs) I I record people's voices and stories so it's rather fun being the other side of it today (laughs) I train young people aged between 15 and 25 in the art of podcasting and radio production so I set up a charity 10 years ago called podium.me and it's been an amazing roller coaster um meeting thousands of people now around the world it used to be just the UK but since Covid we've gone very global and it's I never have two days the same and something very special has happened recently in connection to this hasn't it yes I received a rather official looking letter um, from the cabinet office saying that uh, amazingly um, I've been given an MBE in the Queen's birthday honours which is just wow that's amazing I know 
was it like when you opened the letter? Uh, well, my, my kids thought it was a prank. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I thought it was, but um, I'm just I'm really thrilled. It's amazing. And it's, it's wonderful for our team because it recognises the importance of getting young voices out into the atmosphere. And uh, I think, you know, people realise that they want to hear stories that are different and to understand each other better, which is what it's all about. Yeah. How did you get into that in the first place? Do you remember? Uh, well, Clapham Junction was the site of some riots back in 2012, some of you may remember. And I was really annoyed with the way that the press were writing about young people in the context of the riots and blaming everything on them. And actually, I'd witnessed it myself and there were plenty of older people um, vandalising shops and doing all sorts of things they shouldn't have done. So I took it upon myself to start interviewing the young people that were cleaning up all of the broken glass um, at Clapham Junction. And out of that came this desire to continue recording stories of anything um didn't have to just be an injustice just any kind of story that involved young people oh wow so from little acorns big oaks do grow they do indeed <laughs> and what do you do for fun <laughs> oh, i could say cycling again yeah. uh, and reading history gosh i'm really fascinating don't i uh what do i do for fun uh i like hanging out with people i like you know everything everyone else likes i like painting um making stuff yeah so i've got i've got masses and masses of hobbies i'm never bored and uh, i want to go back to that art history bit so what was it art history or just history both both and it, so is there a particular moment in time that you are particularly passionate about um i'm from the perspective of being a woman, I'm very glad that I'm born and live in this century. Um, but from the point of view of history, I find the 20s and 30s really, really interesting. Mm. And have you ever been to a party dressed up in the 20s and 30s? I you? have, yes. Oh. <laughs> um, and um, the final question I wanted to ask was, if you were stuck on a desert island, would that bring you joy or dread? Hmm. I don't think I'd like it very much. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy, you know, going out for, you know, a six hour day by myself, um, but I'm always ready to come back and join other people. So I think, yeah, being stuck on a desert island would be pretty distressing. Well, okay. So in that case, if you're stuck on this desert island by yourself, we want to make it as pleasurable experience as possible for you. So imagine you're there. What book would you like to take with you hmm. to keep you company? Oh, goodness. Is this assuming I'm being given the Bible? Oh, oh, sorry. I should have started with that. You're obviously being given the Bible. And well, in whichever translation that you would like. But on top of that, what else okay. would you take Well, you? I'll have the message version of the Bible because then I can sort of read it without um, getting too confused. And I would take Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass because it has so much depth in it. And I adore children's literature and I can never quite get to grips with what on earth Lewis Carroll was writing about. So I think I could properly study Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, you could, you could have a few goes at that, couldn't you? Mm -hmm. You know, make some notes in the margin. And I could memorise some of the crazy ah, poems. Yes. That would be fun. That would keep my brain occupied. Yes, you could get a little coconut on a stand. Like, make a little audience for yourself and, like, recite it to them. That's that's your, your take on it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so whilst you're doing that, have you got anything that, you know, once you finish reading that you like to listen to? Have you got any podcasts that you would... I'm quite a news junkie, um, but I don't like sort of traditional news. So newscast is a really good balance for me. I like sort of chatty, well-researched, informed news with a bit of commentary. So newscast, Ukrainecast, uh, Brexitcast, all of those, uh, yeah. I think, are, are really excellent from the BBC. Oh, yeah, that sounds like keep you going for a while as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, what would you take to eat? So you've got to take a snack of choice. 
Well, we've touched on Paddington and uh, I did enjoy the Queen's uh, little cameo role uh, on the Jubilee. And I do genuinely carry a marmalade sandwich. So uh, I would survive. And I make my own marmalade now. So I would take a few jars of my own marmalade. Well, and it seems like you're in good company. The Queen, it's good enough for the Queen. Yes, little did I know that she copied <laughs> me and Paddington. Obviously. But do you keep yours in your handbag or your hat? That's what people want to know. Uh, when I'm wearing a hat, I keep it in my hat, of course. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> when I'm out on my bike, it can be in one of the uh, panniers. One, one of the panniers on the side, yes. you know, ready for it, should you need it at any moment. Exactly. When you have a broken down bike, what's the first thing you reach for? Marmalade sandwich. Well, obviously. Camilla, thank you so much for talking with me today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Thanks for listening. If you think you'd like to have a chat with me, why not get in touch with The Office? Otherwise, I look forward to listening to our next conversation sometime soon.